Welcome to the J3 University Podcast. Each week, we bridge the gap between science and in-the-trench experience for physique enhancement. I'm your host, John Jewett. Let class begin. Welcome, everyone, to the J3U Podcast. I'm your host, John Jewett, and with me is, of course, co-host Luke Miller. Luke, how's it going, man? Pretty good, man. Really excited about the guests that we're having on today. It's a uh, peak week has been more of a, a pretty highlighted topic, at least these past few weeks. So I was thinking peak week, what do we want to discuss? And AJ Morris came to mind. <laughs> AJ, oh. how's it going, man? <laughs> oh, that, thank you so much, guys, for, for having me on. I, I really, really appreciate it. I'm actually quite humbled and honored to be on the podcast. Um, I've been, you know, listening to, to both of you guys' content and, and listen to and look up to you both. So it's a pleasure to be on. And uh, yeah, excited for the discussion that we've got on the cast today. So AJ, I know you're kind of getting into the depths of prep. How's the progress of prep coming so far before we dive into the, into the topic? Sure. So yeah, things, things are going well for me. Um, I'm prepping for a show that is now seven and a half weeks time. So that is the, over here in the UK, it's the UK DFBA British finals. And um, this is the predominant sort of natural drug-free federation here in the uk um, we used to be affiliated with the wmbf and now we're affiliated with the imba pmba in terms of where you can go next and get pro cards compete abroad etc um so yes it's it's been going pretty pretty smoothly i think biggest lesson learned this year is that started too heavy again and just have had too much to to, to pull off and i think because of my lessons learned and, and obviously from listening to a lot of your guys' content, my, my awareness of fatigue management, I've been able to manage that body weight loss well enough to get to this point, which is about two pounds above my previous stage weight, which was a little too shot soft last year. So I'm, I'm going to be sort of visiting condition that I've never been at before. Um, but I've been able to get here and not feel too bad considering the amount of, of total weight that I've lost, which has been almost coming up to 40 pounds now, which for, yeah, I can see by your facial expression. <laughs> That's just, it's just too much. Um, so I had a short window of time to improve. So I also had a short window of time to recover. Um, so I went pretty, pretty heavy on the surplus and for a natural, like we have to use full food as our tool to recover from a, a, a post-show diet. Uh, I definitely think it served me justice. I was able to get into a really well-recovered spot in my short off-season. But just to pull that amount of weight off in the time span and also the pressure of having that rate of loss to adhere to every single week has been, um, has been testing. But something that I wanted to try because I wanted to see whether, one, I could do it, and two, what it would be like for a client if I had to put them through a similar process. Because... Yep. How often do we really get the perfect start point for clients? You know, very rarely. Yeah. Um, like you guys so, know AJ, like he's been bang on with his clients the last few weeks. Like just everybody that's coming in is absolutely nailing it. You had a guy win an overall last week, right? Which is yeah. kind of the whole reason we're having you on for this peaking without diuretics conversation, right? Because yeah. you're prepping natural guys by and large and then showing with like how they're coming on the stage, how well you're nailing their peaks. You can't use diuretics, right? And so it can be done without it. And so that's like why you're the perfect fit for this conversation. It's just like, this can be done without it. And it's something that I know John's really big on laying out and how, 
how we can do this. Yeah, and I guess we didn't give you much of an intro, AJ. We're like, here's AJ. But, <laughs> yeah, so for those who don't follow, AJ, AJ Morris is a, a UK natural bodybuilder. And you competing natural for how many years now, AJ? My, my first show was 2014 as a teenager. Okay, 2014. So you're like, we're at what now? Se seven years of yeah. competing naturally and um, just continuing to move up consistently and seeing that progress. And then with your clients and your business has been you know, flourishing and doing really, really well too. Um, so, and you're a trained by JP athlete. So probably one of the few naturals amongst enhanced. <laughs> but, I, I, I think, I think the only, maybe the only, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm the only, um, well, you get a first title. Like I am the first natural. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. It's actually like a really funny story, completely irrelevant to the podcast, but, um, I've only trained with Jordan once and, uh, you know, Jordan like loves to get super amped up before a set and shout stuff at people and get them pumped and the one time i trained with him he was like i was on the leg press and he was like you will be the best natural powerlifter." and i was like what and he was like sorry bodybuilder and i was literally just about to unrack it and he'd gone into such a rage mode that he was calling me a powerlifter instead of a bodybuilder so that was a, a very memorable moment but <laughs> um but uh, yeah I, th I believe i'm the only natural bodybuilder on the scene <laughs> I think deep down Jordan wants to be a powerlifter and that just like came out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Oh shit. No, I've been, we're bodybuilders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's cool. But I've, yeah. Following your throughout your contest season. And just before we get on this peak week, cause you, you got my interest on, on this topic of like driving up body weight. Cause I think I heard you on a podcast with, uh, I forget it was Steve Hall and, and they were talking amongst y'all about, um, yeah driving body weight up high in the off season versus trying to stay leaner and the, the, the ben, maybe the benefit for the natural is, or really anyone just kind of touching those new body weights, of course, but maybe there's a point of kind of diminishing returns. Would you, cause you reached some all-time strength highs as well, I think too. Um, would you have done it to where you would stay leaner, but potentially you don't know cause you could limit your progress or would you have done it to where maybe you do like a slight uh, mini prep into like a maintenance then start a, a true prep from there to where you don't have such a, a long haul right at the gate yeah i i think this is this is all part of this whole like reverse engineering process that we all go through as we go through different phases and we we constantly look back and yeah. think there's so many ways to skin a cat that we could have done it better or would it have been better you know you, you never really know until you put it into practice so what I think is I, I definitely agree and stand by the whole goal of, of getting to, to new body weights. And I do think that as a natural athlete, especially um, considering we are stepping on stage predominantly at lighter body weights, a lot of what we're able to do by driving body weight caloric intake up is leveraging performance that we've never been able to hit before. And also I do believe that being at those weights the state, the, the stability we're able to get through carrying that little bit more body fat and just generally being a bigger individual allows you to almost do lifts that you, you know, you wouldn't be able to do if you were choosing to stay that little bit leaner, especially as a natural athlete. Um, you know, you, you only have to take a few specific case studies and look at some of the best natural bodybuilders in the world. And most of them have been or stayed very strong for a long period of time you know, because the muscle density you see on some of the best naturals is not just as a byproduct of getting to a certain strength. This is a byproduct of getting there and staying there for long periods of time. 
Um, and I think that's what a lot of people maybe miss out. Um, so for especially the, the younger athlete, um, so for, for example, my partner, Loz, she's literally just making the transition to figure from bikini. So she was 95 pounds on stage as a bikini athlete. She could barely RDL one, uh, RDL 60 kilos without her upper back, just folding into a, a pit of rubbish, you know? So now she's RDLing 120 kilos and she's 135 pounds in body weight. And you've got to look at that and think there's going to be a lot of posterior chain tissue coming on. <laughs> If she'd have stayed 110 pounds, yeah, she'd have looked a bit leaner and maybe enjoyed her body composition a little bit more, but she would have never, ever been where she needs to be in two years' time as a figure athlete. So I think the whole body weight driven up thing is very much obviously an individual sort of relevance thing. But at the same time, I think all naturals need to spend a certain period getting pretty uncomfortable to be able to, to, to get the density and the muscularity required for competition. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that even for enhanced. And, uh, and I think we have the tools to strip off more fat, but we also have the tools to stay leaner too. Um, so you just operate within that individual of where that lies, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. but sorry, I, that was like my, it's completely off of what we were trying to get into today, but I, I, I heard that in a, it's, it's always an interesting conversation of guys debating like, you know, how fat should you get in the off season? How high should you let it rise? But it truly is like making sure that gym performance is rising yeah. and where that body weight goes or that body fat needs to be might be kind of more the, the byproduct to keep that performance productive versus the opposite, right? Um, trying to hit a body fat, but maybe gym performance isn't moving. It's like, well, red flag, something's wrong. Um, or staying too lean and gym performance isn't improving. Well, red flag, something's going on. So uh, maybe gym performance should be kind of our, our outlook for the, the off season. But, um, but anyway, let's get into what I actually wanted to talk about today. <laughs> I do this all the time. And I think Luke is like, stop rambling and rabbit holes and shit. Uh, we just, we're just going to change our topic for the day, but yeah. <laughs> uh, no, anyway, um, the, like what, what's come up a lot is, is the diuretic use in, especially the, the enhanced community, obviously, um, not with naturals, but, and you have the extremes and we have like, for what I, I, I rarely use diuretics anymore. I've got away from using them. I've used them not ever heavily, but with a certain, certain degree and, there's been maybe, honestly, I could say maybe one or two times, because uh, what show am I on? I think I'm like my 14th show or something. Um, out of the times I had used diuretics, there's maybe one or two where it was pretty nailed on. Um, but with that being said, I've met my, I think my best conditioning and stage looks this past year, um, not using any diuretics and very, very mild manipulations and just, just water alone. And most of the times when I have used diuretics, I miss that, that it's a very fleeting look and that window of opportunity to step on stage. There's just so much dice rolling that it's just really not worth that slight percentage you might gain and you might gain. Um, but I think the big thing I wanted to outline here too is uh, for, for, for individuals like that look and, and why would you need to manipulate water? Because this is the question like, okay, I need to drop water. But ideally for any naturals or enhance, whichever it may be. And the reason why I've seen the success this past year is like I'm stage lean. So I think going into this peak week of what we even want to discuss, uh, the last manipulations 
if you're stage lean, you really don't need much to do. And I think there's a misunderstanding of the water compartments in general. Um, Cause in our bodybuilding world, it's just in the muscle and sub Q like it's, that's how it works. There's water, you know, under the skin to the muscle. And then there's water in the muscle. You want all the water in the muscle, but from a physiological aspect of how this actually works, they don't talk like that in, in, in science and in textbooks. Um, there's the extracellular space, the intracellular space, and within that extra, so intracellular, this would be within cells, okay? So water within the cells. We want water within our muscle cells. Um, there's gonna be water within skin cells, water within blood cells, water within fat cells. And so you have all this water within those cells and the extracellular space is gonna be everything outside the cell. So you have areas outside the muscle cell that has water and it's still within the muscle as a whole. So within the muscle as a whole, you have water inside the cells and outside those cells. So you think like, well, I don't want any extracellular water. Well, no, that's not true because there's extracellular water in the muscle. Um, there's extracellular water around the fat cells. Same with skin cells. So my thing about this too is if you completely remove fat, you're fat free um, and you just have a normal hydration, you'll have a ton of water in the muscle and you're not going to have a lot outside the muscle anyway because there's not as much just tissue there in general. So when you do dehydrate, take a diuretic, drop water substantially, you will deplete water inside the cells and outside the cells, and that will decrease muscle size. We cannot manipulate to where you're only going to have water in the muscle and you're, you're, you're only going to have water outside the skin. There's always be this balance in play because ultimately this would result in death. Um, but I, I guess that's the, the thing I want to highlight. There's this misunderstanding of where, to, where is water and, uh, and, and, and why we would decide to manipulate. But, but first off the gates is like getting stage lean. And uh, I think that's where a lot of people just aren't lean enough to get into, into peak week to begin with. And uh, so I guess that starts, starts off like the thought process, AJ, of um, getting into a peak week. You know, what are the things that you're looking at if someone is prepared? And would you do something different in place if they weren't actually skinned out? Sure. So yeah, first of all, obviously, you know, great intro there and, and, and agree with those points. I think there is a common confusion as to where water is. And also people don't understand what, what's going to happen when, when you do try and pull fluid, you know, where, where's that fluid going to be going from? And equally is the fluid going from a point in which you actually want fluid, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's actually bigger nat natural athletes because when you are fat free as a natural athlete, you've got to question yourself when, Obviously, we, you know, we can't use you know, the diuretics that you guys will be using, but we can still, and naturals have experimented with herbal diuretics, water cuts, et cetera, to try and play around with fluid balance. Um, the issue that arises is that almost in all cases, we're, pull, we're pulling fluid directly from where we want it. You know, we're pulling it from that intracellular space. We're pulling it from muscles, you know, and we're flattening out a physique that potentially or well actually i i lie i'd say 85 percent of the time the people that are trying to do this are out of shape so what then happens you're now only not out you're not just out of shape but you're out of shape and you're flat you're flat because you're you know, you've not pulled fluid into the right areas you've actually pulled it from the areas in which you wanted it you've maybe done something like pulled out creatine or 
taken a herbal diuretic or dropped fluid intake or cut sodium. You know, you're trying to play with things that essentially should already be micromanaged to the point where you've got a consistent baseline. And of course, like you said, the prerequisite going into the peak week is that you are, you know, fat free. Um, so that's kind of your, your starting point, AJ, is having that consistent baseline yeah. going into peak. So you've had someone like there's ideal situation, they're, they're skinned out, they're lean, and you're able to nail down just sodium, water, every variable to where you have this kind of consistent look day to day. Yeah. Are, are I, you, are you beginning of the week? Are you like driving up water or sodium or doing any type of manipulations or just it's been high all prep and you let it ride? Sure. So I, I typically very much agree with your principles when it comes to this final week is that once we've established a look that we really, really like, it's really about keeping everything else the same that follows suit with that look. So if I've got someone's fluid at six liters a day, they'll be having six, six liters a day that the whole week. The only, the only influence of fluid being driven up will probably be if carbohydrates coming with up, up with that. So we, we need something to transport that, that glycogen a little bit more so. So I'll probably increase fluid just a, naturally a little bit. Um, but in most cases, especially with like, so the way we operate in the UK is we've just had qualifiers. Now we're having finals that are like normally six, eight weeks in advance of those qualifiers. All the people that have done qualifiers will be in stage, complete stage condition way before these finals. And by that point, they won't even be running peak weeks. They'll just be in reverse calories. So they'll be full all the time or as we deem full, their fluid will be the same every day. And the show day will literally just be another day because they'll just be in a position of readiness at all times. Um, but yeah, you're you know very right in saying fluid intake will be kept the same. Sodium intake, again, naturally would potentially rise a little bit if we're doing a carbohydrate load. If we're bringing up carbohydrates, typically fluid and sodium will go up with those. Um, but outside of that, you know, on the only manipulation with fluid is potentially just monitoring it a little bit and not making sure that they, they drink excessively on show days. So they're not running to the bathroom as frequently as they would in a normal day. Um, so I tried to get them to pretty much like nail a decent morning of fluid before they go off to the venue. And then when they're at the venue, just make sure they stay on top of sips as opposed to trying to chug a load of fluid to meet their normal fluid demands. And that's pretty much it. I keep it very, very simplistic. How Are you actually measuring out sodium, potassium, any other electrolyte levels specific? Um, and then for actually adding in sodium, are you weighing that or is it just a, 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 like a teaspoon measure? Um, sure. So I, I do, I do weigh it. Yeah, I do, I do weigh it. I do get them to, to, to weigh out. Um, typically, the, the way that I'll just, just sit, sit foods on, on the scale, obviously get, get the scale to come to a number and then add on top of that number because I find when scales are zeroed, it normally doesn't calculate the grammage of salt from a zero reading for some reason on a lot of scales. Um, so I get them to do that and then we'll just literally go up if we need to buy not grinds, but by grams, um, with potassium, typically I will just use low salt as my primary source for potassium. Um, I have in the past got people to eat certain amounts of bananas or potatoes and things like that. But often you'll find that bananas and potatoes aren't actually the best foods to be peaking on for a lot of people at least 
a very high satiety index. If you're eating a lot of carbohydrates, they're probably not the best to sit in the stomach either. Um, I actually got a question for you, John. What do you think of like bananas and Luke as well? What do you think of like bananas and potatoes when people say that there's benefit in having them in a loading phase as they are dry, like a dry load so that you're controlling fluid balance even further to the, because I've heard people say this because they'll use it to control fluid balance more. What do you think about that? I think you should be building out a response on the forefront with the carbohydrates you're going to be using. Yeah. So it, it's like we, we understand that we've built out a model of like net response up or down from a weight and a look perspective with the carbohydrates we're going to be using prior to. I think that, I think again, this is the whole dry on stage thought process leading to the carbohydrate choices. It's like, yeah, okay. Like, yes, it's going to increase like a net fluid balance we understand what someone's response with a carbohydrate load with fluid response is going to look like net each meal, or we should understand that going into show day and just be able to choose the amount in order to direct the client in the direction we want them to go. Yeah. I, I do think, cause I've heard people, oh, I'm going to do a dry carb load. It's like, okay, that's, you shouldn't even call it a carb load at that point if it's dry <laughs> because we know like to low glycogen, you have to have water in place because we have plenty of people that have done carb loads or their morning, they wake up, they've like cut water. Then they go eat like fucking 10 stacks of pancakes. They're like, oh shit, dude, I'm not full. I didn't eat enough carbs. Then post-show they like drink fluids finally. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm huge now and look blown up. It's like, yeah, yeah, because you need water. So like the, the whole premise of the idea of doing a dry load just it just it wouldn't work and we see it not work so there has to be some amount of fluids that go along with that carbohydrate um i think the in the in the big picture it's kind of looking at like the tree and missing the forest right so it's like you have some athlete that's doing six liters of water a day and it's like well should i do my rice or maybe i should switch to rice cakes so i can limit this water content that's in the rice it's like but dude, we're drinking six liters of water a day. <laughs> How much water is in the rice versus the rice cake? And we're talking like it's minuscule. So it like doesn't, it doesn't even matter at, at that point. So I, I could see the, the idea behind like, if you're vastly doing something like, I've had people that maybe switch to cream of rice. It's like, should I count the fluids that are in my cream of rice that I'm adding into it? And I, I think if you're still in that, that whole, framework within using high water that it's still probably not going to be that impactful um i think what it does come down to like luke said is having consistency within the food sources you're using so you kind of know what works well leading to peak week i think digestion is going to be like the the biggest impactor here so um, if we're using banana that's fine the water component is not be my consideration um it would be more so what is the digestive aspect of it because you know, uh, bananas are high in more like the fructo oligosaccharides for hormonal stuff. It, well, we usually give banana flakes to like um, improve like uh, constant uh, diarrhea, you know, so you can get like constipated if you have too much banana. Um, same with potatoes, like they have higher amounts of resistant starch. So that's why people have a harder time with digesting them. So if we're like adding these foods in as like a dry source, um, I, I don't think, I think that's just a yeah, uh, a, a miss, looking at the wrong variable, you know. Yep. Um, let's, let's, let's also give a quick warning here for people using potassium-storing diuretics. 
that's asking for something wrong to happen if we're going into too much of a potassium load alongside that, right? Like that's just asking for some almost like hypokalemic effect to, to occur. So I think that that's something to be aware of too. Yeah, I've, I've used some of those foods before, like a slight bit of banana in meals just so I have like some potassium source, but not, not from aspect that I need to be replacing it. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, with, that's the problem that we've seen within some of this diet, their diuretic use within the enhanced community is that uh, there's just a misunderstanding of, of how, once you put them in play, the vast electrolyte changes that occur, um, depending on what you're using. So some will decrease sodium and potassium and some are potassium sparing, but then people are adding potassium back in and then also loading with potassium foods. And eventually you get to electrolyte misimbalance that can cause like cardiac arrhythmias. You might have muscle tremors, you can get nausea, vomiting, and that's when it gets very dangerous. Then what do you do? It's like, oh, well, you need to rehydrate, drink this Gatorade, which is also high in potassium, which further um, you know, causes more problems. So it, it's just a, yeah, it, it can be, be a mess to go with soap. Anyway. Yeah, he just he just said potassium loading. It's like the first thing that came to mind is like people yeah. doing that alongside potassium sparing diuretics. It's like, oh, let's oh, let's please not do that. Like that's just asking for issues to happen. But continuing down the line of of, of finding that ratio um, is fluids alongside that within peak week. So for most of the time, you said you're keeping it consistent. Where is the case in which it does fluctuate for your clientele? Honest, it often it often is just baseline and we're keeping it the same daily i haven't had any peaks recently where i have had to change fluid um there are some instances i think i've had in the past where clients specifically tell me that they feel better that they look tighter with a slightly lower fluid intake and sometimes that is i think that's literally in their head and they think that they are quote unquote drier with a slightly lower fluid intake. Also, sometimes when they get this like psychological attachment to the scale, they drink less fluid, they wake up the next day, they are lighter, they take their shots after weighing in, and they immediately they immediately think they are drier and leaner, but in reality they're flatter and softer in some areas, um, which is why actually often I really do recommend in, in peak week when I am getting data collection from clients that are actually quite good at giving perception as to how they look. I get them to take their shots, send them, tell me how they feel and then weigh in after. Um, because at that point, like to me, the scale weight's good data for sure. And I want it after I've seen the pictures, but sometimes even for me, the scale weight can drive me down some decisions that maybe might not be totally correct in the perspective of actually how they they look visually and we've got to remember that we're putting one thing on stage and unless they're meeting a, a weight category uh we're putting a physique on stage not a body weight so um I, I tend to try and drive as much of my data collection points off the look and then with people that um maybe need that guidance with scale weight i i, I have been this year specifically um starting to 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 get people to also like the day before their show this helps me understand exactly where they're at um so i get them to start weighing in about two weeks out in the in the evening as well before bed so i know that i can start to predict the difference between the am and the pm so i know 
the night before the show, if they're at a certain weight, I can kind of sort of picture where they're going to land on, on show day. Um, but something I have found recently um, with that side of things, and I know I'm going off topic a little bit, but like, I'm sure you've seen it as well. And it might be something worth noticing for peaking in itself is that that last weigh-in or like the PM weigh-in before a show, usually I expect like a, a, a more, most with most people, like a, a bigger drop-off coming into the next day. The reason being is I find a lot of people burn up a lot of anxious energy in that night before the show and the sleep normally is disturbed the night before the show. And it almost always skews that show day look, especially for a first show where the anxiousness and the nerves are at their peak. Um, and I find that normally they're up in the night a little bit more. So they're, they're peeing a little bit more. Um, so I normally have to play like a little bit of catch up with that. Something I've learned as a coach over the years is that I'm almost like preempting that happening now rather than, than waking up, hitting a new body weight low and being confused and being like, ah, damn, you know, like I'm now I'm really behind and I've not got really hardly any time to fix things. Um, so yeah. Would there be any, um, strategies pre-bed if you saw like, okay, they're already at this lower body weight PM, potentially mm. they're going to hit this really low weight. Would you do anything different that night or you just have it in your head for the next day of what you might be starting them with? Uh, typically I'd have it in my head that we'd maybe be doing a little bit more food in the first few meals. If they were on stage earlier in the day, um, then potentially I'd, I'd try and get some food in like a little bit of a higher meal than I would have already planned pre-bed um, with also some uh, slightly higher fat intake as well, just to try and hold that meal throughout the night. Um, that's something that I have done as well with obviously just using fat sources that they've used in entirety of the prep. Um, something that I, I do think does hold value is when you find a look, especially when you're running a peak, like an actual peak where you've done a few high days at the back end of the week and you've used maybe the front end for more fat loss is that when you do find a look that is representative of what you want on stage you normally raising fats just a tad with some of the meals does tend to help hold that look a little further rather than having such heavy fluctuations with potentially just the assimilation of carbohydrates being very very quick um so i do tend to sort of raise fats a tad um not for any drying out purposes or anything like that, but more so just to hold the food that they're having a little bit more so um, throughout those final few days. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to fats because I have a question now about fat loading and your thoughts on it. But before I do, okay, um, yeah. <laughs> before I do, because what you're talking about now is, is basically you're finding this look throughout peak week. And I, I do the same thing, right? So this could be, where is my best stage look? And that could be when I first wake up and you've dropped more water, so you're a little bit more dehydrated, but also you could have a balance between having more detail, but maybe you accept a level of flatness in certain muscle groups. Um, mm. Then as you're eating and drinking fluids, you get fuller. Scale weight probably is going up. Um, maybe you fill out some body parts. Maybe you lose a little conditioning in certain areas, but maybe that conditioning sacrifice is worth it, right? Um, but somewhere throughout there, you probably have a point where they're very, very full by the end of the, end of the day, they've eaten all day long and where they've also probably lost more conditioning than what you'd want to put on stage. So if wherever that, that look lands, um, I'm interested in like how you would manage that because that, that varies a lot between people. Um, 
And so if they woke up and the first thing fasted morning, like, man, this is dialed in. That's exactly how I want you to go on stage. Then would you try to hold that look by just limiting what would be limiting food or water? Do you even do that? Are you just like, no, man, we're going to that like limiting anything is going to send us down a, down a bound path of like rebound in with water. Um, and then I think within that same conversation is also the, the, athletes that aren't like bodybuilding, like bikini, that aren't getting stage lean, like peeled out, because just it's within their division that do have more body fat. And, and maybe that's with more females, if they have more of the issue with just water around these fat cells, and maybe that look is better, flatter. Um, but I, so yeah, if you kind of lay that out, so, or, or do you see that with people like, hey, we don't want the nighttime look. We want that first thing morning look. And then what would you do to kind of hold that once you, once you find it? Sure. So I, I think with what I've seen, the whole idea of waking up and them being perfect is extremely rare, extremely rare where I'll have them wake and I'll be like, okay, I'd love this to be on stage. Typically the, the, the upon wake look is flatter, and it's probably where they potentially see the most detail across some areas, um, especially the areas that tend to carry a little bit more fluid in general. Um, and maybe obviously the, the softer areas as well, the areas that maybe still have a little bit of residual body fat. Um, I, I, I think so then what I'm going off is I'm, I'm going off all of the fasted looks that I've had two weeks prior, three weeks prior, and obviously the entirety of the peak week, they've been checking in with their fasted looks on a daily basis. Um, the only interruption in that case is if they've got a layer of tan on from the night prior and it just completely messes up what I'm seeing because it just looks you know, messy and blurred from, from sleeping in it. Um, it's typically why I don't like people getting tans on the night prior because it does really blur that morning look. Um, so then throughout the day, normally they'll have like a base plan, which will have been sent normally at two days, three days out, which will have developed through, you know, obviously the collection of data throughout the peak and throughout the final week, it will be based on foods that they're already eating. So there's no crazy foods that are going down on Australia or anything like that to hold, to hold a look that I'm happy with in the morning that I know with more meals and more fluids is going to be good by the time we get to the stage. It'll just be a case of, let's say, they're a little flatter from that anxious energy upon wake. And it's a little flatter than they maybe were on the Saturday or the Friday before a show day, show day on a Sunday. Then I would probably just add some additional carbohydrates in the meals that are leading up to the show in the form of very, very easily to digest carbohydrates that don't add any food volume to the meals that we're already having or very minimal food volume added. So uh, I wouldn't go ahead and you know add a, ton of rice onto top of meals or anything like that i would probably resort to things like honey or jam on rice cakes or things like that to to try and bump up the numbers a little bit um obviously you know, again things that they've had already but provided that they they sit well that will help them just coming into into the lap portions of the day um but you know i'm also i'm also a big fan of i think once you've got to a point where you understand that that they am look is close to or as close to the previous ones 
Um, I don't like people worrying or overthinking about the fact that they've suddenly woken up and it's just not the right look because I just don't, I, I really don't believe that that, that can, that can happen too frequently, especially if you've had such a standardized week of the same fluid, the same food, the same timings and your sleep was okay. It wasn't terrible and you got some rest. Your look can't be that drastically different to what it was on the days prior, um, which again, just gives more value in changing less variables. Um, the, the, the less you change, the more confidence you're going to have upon wake posing and knowing that you're probably going to look just as good as you looked in the gym in your pump session two days prior or one day prior. You're probably going to look like that on stage. Um, I, I think maybe sometimes one of the mistakes that people make um, even in the, the, you know, the, the lower muscle categories, I don't typically coach bikini, but I, I do coach figure um, and toned figure in the UK is, is definitely a, a softer look. Um, I think one of the biggest mistakes that, that females do make on show day is, is often just not, not drinking enough fluid. Um, they actually get normally quite excited and they run around a lot in show days and say hi to so many people and talk about what cookies they've got for post-show. And before they know it, they've barely even drunk a liter of water. I actually had a girl do exactly that at her first show of the season two weeks ago. She came to me after pre-judging. I was like, you've had barely any water, have you? Because I could just tell. I just knew it straight out of the gate, the way she looked. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I was just so busy. And then they didn't allow me to pump up and I was rushed. And, and this is, again, why your look is predicated around your stress management all the way up into the show, especially on the show day, like show day, you need to be focused on the job at hand, you know, not, I, yeah, enjoy the day and say hi to people, take pictures, but you could just do that all after you've been judged, you know, not when you're meant to be at a certain place at a certain time doing variables that you should have been doing every day up until this point. Um, that's, that's a great point, AJ. And, the female stuff, some of it drives me crazy because like I try to tell people like even their peak week, like you're flying out to a show, pick your flights at times that doesn't change your routine. So you can train at normal times that you can wake up at normal time and sleep at normal time. But the same goes for like the show day. Cause you'll have a female that they're waking up, whatever, 7am every day. Then all of a sudden they have like hair and makeup at like 4.30am. Like what in the fuck? Who's doing hair and makeup this early? And how long does that take? <laughs> and then it's like, Oh, well, I only got four hours of sleep now. And then, then you have to a whole nother day of completely manage that, that throws off the entire routine. Then they're sitting there with makeup and they're not drinking fluids. They can't eat. Then all of a sudden it really throws off your game plan, which yes, hair and makeup's important. Sure. But you're getting judged on your body. So I think nailing your meals and your fluids is essential over those items. So, you know, that's why I tell people like, you stop your makeup and eat or drink. It's like that damn important versus hair and makeup on, on stage. Um, yeah. I, I'm sure you have to deal with that too, but that's like my side tangent on uh, keeping routine and making sure like you prioritize what, you're, what you've laid out with your consistent plan to keep fluid intake up, to nail those things, because that morning can really throw it off. And just the, the stress of like running around to your appointments, your tanning, your hair, your makeup, like all that can, can drive a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of issues too. Agreed. I think one of the big things too, like when possible is in building that predictable model is like, I know John, you do this is maybe trying to train around the time that we're going to be coming on a stage 
if it's possible with that, because then we create an even more predictable response of net fluid intake, net carbohydrate intake into a pump up, right? And we can understand what that looks like. And one of the things that <clears throat> within that that I find is, especially on the female side, is when we avoid that desire to like run around, talk about cookies, all these other things, we have a fluid response that is so much more consistent to what's been happening earlier in the week relative to not having to chase someone. This, this actually happened with, with us at um, Universe with Emily. A little bit more active. We had a whole group there. We had friends competing with her. So she's a little bit more excited and talking. And it's like something changes. They change the order of the show. And now she's going on stage two hours later and like she's been so active and now I'm fucking chasing her, right? And I'll be honest, she was probably better an hour out than she was on stage, an hour and a half out, right? And it's because like this activity driving, standing, talking to friends, like because we had some friends that were doing universe with her in the WPD categories and figure. So it was like, ah, like I had nailed everything and then we start fading real fast. And so like within that, like you see like having to chase with when john was saying like fluids like fluids have to come up in order to catch that right and then it's now you're throwing off this fluid response that you've already built this predictable model out for yeah yeah i think even with like with, with what we brought up with the female classes like that they don't have to be as conditioned um i and i've done this i did this with renee is like let's let's push the condition further than what it needs to be because I know like as Renee goes throughout the day, the look softens up to where it's a point like maybe midday, I don't want her on stage like that. It's like, well, if I get her more conditioned leaner, then I have the ability to, when I feed her up into that point on stage, that's the look we like. Um, versus having someone that wakes up, they're like, well, that's your conditioning and it's only gonna get worse if we keep feeding you versus like, oh, I'm too lean. Well, it's a lot easier just to kind of soften that person up a little bit by feeding them more and allowing them those extra fluids. Um, so that's at least one strategy that, that I've utilized. Of course, you don't always have that, like where you have someone that, that gets uh, too lean. Usually it's the opposite. You're trying to just get them there. Um, well, at least what I've done, like with her, like she actually woke up and like her morning look is pretty damn close to what we want on stage. So at that point, I, I kind of bring food down to more of like a maintenance level that I know for her, which is pretty close to what I was doing, like leading into the show. Um, so that doesn't change much, but then I just, I just give enough fluids that hold that level of hydration that she woke up with. Um, so for her, like, for example, she woke up at like 123, 124, like within that range. And that was like a really great look. So I feed her and I just give enough fluids to keep her weight down. Cause otherwise she'd be up to like one, 128, 129 by the end of the day and that nighttime look wasn't wasn't what we wanted so um for her that was on show day only was eight ounces of fluids with meals nothing between it's like oh man that sounds pretty restrictive but again it's it's a very acute window like for at least for pros like um she was on at nine and then finals was at two so this is a very short duration like for a consideration for someone that was doing like a two-day show and not planning to use like a diuretic and stuff like restricting fluids by that second day, you, you might have someone that starts having a rebounding effect to where e even you start seeing water accumulate with even that restriction level. 
And so you kind of have to weigh, weigh that out. And uh, ideally, that probably wouldn't be worth it. And I think that gets into the point, too, of like, you know, post-show, what are you looking at um, for someone like afterwards? Like, do, are they going to have another show to go to? Because if you're restricting fluids for one, you're going to have a rebounding effect post-show that could last for a few days before they get a baseline. You might have to pick your show that you really want to nail it on. Um, but the safe thing, like, like you said, AJ, is like if someone's ready. They're basically just holding conditioning the entire time. And it's just like another day of, of being ready. And for, I think for most people, the safe bet is just walk out there and leave everything the same. Don't even fuck with water. Um, because how much could that conditioning level change from if you're peeled from morning to night? And uh, I, I've done the same thing that you said, like for these past shows, I'll wake up a little lighter and it's skinned out crazy. I'm like, this is incredible. And, uh, and I, I don't chase the scale, but I, I look at that extra detail and I lost sight of where I, the fullness was. And it's like, oh, you could have been fuller. And, and I'll have people like, you know, post, post training, you're like, man, you look crazy full here. It's like, yeah, but my, I lost a glute line. <laughs> like, man, big picture, that one glute line, like I could be full blown full and I'm still more conditioned than other guys. So it's like, well, you know, from morning to night, just, you gotta, you gotta weigh that out. Um, but I think the issue lies is when someone's not conditioned enough and you lose so much that it is impactful. But the worst case is when you get on stage and you're fat and flat. So, so that, with that consideration, it's still not worth, you know, manipulating those, those variables. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I absolutely agree with that for sure. It's a very interesting to hear about actually Renee's experience there and, uh, and the fluid balance. Um, one that I will actually heavily consider for some specific females, but I have seen the look in the morning probably be a little better than what's been put on stage. Um, and I, and I, and I do think that that has utility across, you know, very, like you said, very specific occasions and, and, and individuals. Um, but yeah, for sure. That's interesting to hear. Yeah. I think it's, you have to be careful with it because just like Luke brought up with show scheduling, we try to control these variables like the day before we're going to like we're training at the same time we go on stage like we have everything yeah. dialed in then some we, we can't know the timing exactly for the show uh this even happened for um for tampa for my show you know, whatever we're scheduled to go on at um 12 or something and it was a huge show and they end up pushing it back like two hours mm. it's like oh damn well that changes a, a lot then for us to go out uh, this was a big division. So we had 25 to 12 competitors. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it took us about, man, probably 45 minutes, if, if not an hour to go through everyone. Cause then we have, you know, they bring out for comparisons. We loop around, then we're going to go back out for individual routines. Then we're going to go through call outs. And this is a long duration to hold a look. If you haven't been having fluids or you had these meals timings and your timing got off, um, and, and, and truly, like, I, I see, I've talked to so many pros that were just off because of too many manipulations. And they had just, they did, and they, these guys told me, like, man, I look great, like, a few days ago, where I had not changed a thing. And they would have been happier walking on stage like that. But then also, they wouldn't have to be worried about these show getting pushed around, the hour long that it took to get onto stage and, and get your final look. Um, so even with, within that, like, man, it, it, I've, I've never had someone that walked out and like timed their pump up just right and all this stuff. And a lot of times 
I've even debated even pumping up because, because it's, it's never accurate for when I'm going on stage a lot of the times and it's, it's quickly lost so fast. And then I'm going to be on stage for so long that I can easily burn through enough. If I'm so pumped up, it's hard to, to hold it. And, um, and then it's like, well, when do you want to pump up? Is it for the comparisons? Is it for your routine? Is it for call outs? And it's, it's tough like to just keep stay pumped up the entire time. It, it's just, it just doesn't last long. So almost like, Hey, if you just look really good and walk out there and start flexing <laughs> and then, you know, that, that'll be it. Um, I don't know if you've seen that, like within people that you coach, if you almost debate like, Hey, just, just walk out there, man, because we just can't, we can't control all these variables um, enough to, to nail it just precisely if that lowers stress or people have the expectation that they knew to do these other things. Typically maybe with the larger guys, sometimes I, I, I will just give them guidance as to what they need to do to pump up because a lot of them end up doing way, way, way too much. Like I've had people backstage telling them, Oh, it's your final workout. And I'm like, no, it's not, it's like not workout. When like, there's a squat rack backstage. Yeah, I've yeah, people like doing like half squats and That's sitting so on the chair doing funny. leg extensions. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, I guess pretty mental. But um, I like I think the the best people that I've seen backstage, uh, when they've 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 looked the the best and some of the best natural pros I've been backstage with, have just come backstage and usually they they they're just literally hitting a few poses and they come to life and because they're so stocked with a good feed or a, like a good peak or they're just consistently full and they've been ready for weeks. You know, they've done the whole reverse, which a lot of pros do in the natural ranks. They seem to get ready pretty early and, and end up looking very, very good from three weeks out. And they know the look so well that they can just sort of roll backstage and just get heat as long as they get heat and temperature. Um, then as soon as they get under the stage lights and as long as the stage environment is warm, then you're good to go. The worst experiences that I've had as a competitor and with clients has been when the backstage has been absolutely freezing. Yeah. It's, that's, that's the worst because blood volume is so hard to achieve and you end up then pumping too much and then you're actually tired before you go on stage because you've been trying to chase something you can't get because you're not hot enough. Um, so I'm wondering if you've ever found solutions for that. What have your solutions been for freezing backstage is... Yeah, I, I definitely, um, so I have a packing list I send people to bring, of course, like sweats and everything backstage. Mm -hmm. Then I also, I, I give them some guidance on, for one, timing when they're going to derobe. Uh, because yeah. I've been backstage so many times, we're like, all right, glaze up, get ready. Then you like get in line, and you're like, oh yeah, no, we're going to march you over here. Then you're going to be backstage in line. And, and then after these guys go, then you're going to go. So it's like, man, I've been like glazed up and stand here forever. So I think like, you know, leave, leave your, your sweats on for as long as you can. But I also tell guys, you have a lot of heat loss through your feet. And so I, I, I leave my socks on the whole time until I walk on stage. I've never walked on stage with my socks on. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but bad look. but or, or sandals <laughs> or something, you know, like. Yeah. Leave those on your feet because it, it will prevent some heat loss. But once you're in line, you, you, you kind of have to be there in, in your trunks and glazed up. You have something else to add? No, keep going. Keep going. Um, I've never thought about like 
wearing a beanie or something like because you do have a lot of he heat loss out of your head I don't know I'm just, I'm just thinking like what you could what you could do to keep it in but for sure for sure the sock aspect because even walking on um like hard tile um is impactful and then because uh, it's cold but I, th I think another thing to that too is like when I did that Tampa show we were standing backstage for so long that it was actually fatiguing um, and your legs get tired. And so having some type of like sandal that's like cushioned or something, um, it, it, I think it relieves some of that. Um, so I think there's an aspect of like, for one, you prevent some heat loss a little bit out of your feet, but then, but then also you're not fatiguing your, your legs so much by having to, to stand back there for, for too long. And one of the things I think just, just to circle back to like the pump up conversation is understanding the caliber of the show that you're doing too like on the amateur ranks the lower npc and i'm sure it's the same with the natural like they fucking move like you're on stage and you're off in like a split second right and it's like okay that would warrant someone probably going in there and, and doing a little bit more of a comprehensive pump up where like you have someone at a national show who's going to be running through comparisons and then possibly going to an overall and all this other kind of stuff it's like okay well let's kind of like moderate that and then on that second note is I cannot tell you how many times large variable management going into a show has someone falling off a cliff while going through comparisons. And so it's like they walk out looking great and then three minutes into four minutes into posing, they start fading so fast. And typically it's like the people who are trying to nail this fleeting look, not staying full enough, hydrated enough in order to maintain that look. And, and this is where it's like, shows are lost sometimes when you're in that higher caliber level because you just fade so fast. And it's a consideration like when we're doing a peaking protocol, like understanding the level and the caliber of the show will kind of help with some of that backstage management as well. I think that's, that's a, an interesting point too, because you've had guys that like get nailed and they're, they, you have like this full look when you're con you know, but then you start burning through a little bit of glycogen and then it, it just fades so quickly. So you almost need, a little bit to actually prolong and so that's how you see guys sometimes get better is maybe they walked on they maybe they did have a little lack of conditioning um but then they start moving those fluids and it, it you know intramuscularly and you then they like look even sharper and the guys are like oh they're getting harder as they pose and, th and that's some of that but i think if you walk out there and you're like crazy hard and you've been dehydrated you have a, a tendency to go flatter much much quicker um but the times that i felt best and that doesn't happen is when i'm just well hydrated going in, into the sh in, into it you know um and i think that's uh the big thing is is again we go back to is like drastic water cuts or diuretics leave you in that state um especially so with with driving a lot of sodium out uh it makes it very hard to keep muscle contractions held um and i've, I've experienced that with using multiple diuretics at the same time for a stage morning and just I, I can't even keep my legs contracted um and yeah it's and I still didn't look great you know what I mean like I was I was flat I wasn't I was fat and then like I can't contract my muscles so it's like a terrible situation to be in um so I, I think that's that's a good point too is uh, making sure you're you're well fed enough and hydrated enough that you can actually can actually have some stage time and, and prolong that look so it's even better to go on maybe you, you maybe you are a little fuller but you know, you'll get harder as you pose. Yeah. And just a reference of that as well, like any naturals listening, if you choose to use 
a herbal diuretic, even though it's very, very mild, you can experience the same electrolyte issues as people using you know, standard diuretics. Like I used a herbal diuretic for a show and I had done practicing posing for the entire prep five rounds after every training session, zero issues ever with cramping, get on stage one round of quarter turns, entire legs cramped. And I, then I, I couldn't, couldn't flex my legs. Like, and then you just walk off in immense pain and you know, you haven't presented your best look and trust me, you do not want to feel like that after all the weeks of effort that you've put in. So, you know, it's, it's not trying, it's not worth trying to get that, you know, well, there isn't even a percentage there to be gained. Um, but it's, uh, but it's, but it's just not worth it in general. Um, because you can't even present what you've worked hard for. So do you even, do you even use them then the herbal diuretics with your clients? Oh, no, never. No, no. Um, no, it's something that I would never, ever use. It's something that I, 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 I trialed myself and stupidly I trialed it in a, in a show peak week rather than trialing it in a week that wasn't before a show. Um, but you make these mistakes and you learn from them. So, and then the next show is actually three pounds scale weight heavier, but will look entirely different. Yeah. Um, just due to proper fluid balance and I could actually pose, which made me feel a little bit more confident on stage when you could actually contract the, the lower half of the physique. I think it goes back to like, if you look really great, like Monday, Tuesday before your show, it's like, man, should I add this diuretic in <laughs> or herbal, herbal diuretic? And it's like, no, if you looked really, really good, just, just don't change that. Um, I know the grass is always greener, but a lot of times it's, it's not, um, so it, I think within this world, we're not looking, we don't have a see-through fence where we can actually see it's greener. It's like, you got to jump over this fence and it's like, Oh shit, there's no grass over here. <laughs> that was my stupid drawn out analogy. But anyway, um, is there anything AJ that you actually do implement within those few days that's different um, from the weeks, weeks prior, or is there anything uh, that you remove? Like you brought up creatine um, any supplements or anything that again, go in or go out that you change? Sure. So I think the only thing out of the most recent peaks that I've actually pulled from people's diets is excessive use of any sugar-free sweeteners. And I would bring them down to, so I would always be in touch with the client as to how much they're using and excessive yeah. use is always recommended that we, we, we push that down. Um, but I would bring it down. So I'd, accumulate how much they're, they're, they're having in a day i typically for the the final two three days I'd, I'd say you know just leave the the diet cokes and leave the the sugar-free syrups and things like that you know the the more excessive um sort of you know sh uh, sugar-free stuff i i pull that out a little bit um i'd allow them to have like cordial and flavorings and things like that if, if that's what they've been having the whole prep um and it's been fine for them it hasn't caused any issues um, we're not seeing any significant fluid shift or, you know, like a, uh, just a generally watery look uh, or bloatedness or distension from these, these, these products. Um, that's pretty much the only thing that I do do because I, I do find that when people overdo the carbonated beverages, especially um, there is a little bit of a distension yeah. that can sometimes not be the most helpful tool in data collection when it comes to the final few days. Um, I know they're great for, satiety and, and, and just blocking out hunger signals. But 
they're not the best in terms of when we're trying to sort of create that that final package. That's yep. literally about it. Other than that, nothing. So creatine, all that stays in place. If that's Kept what you're using. And with that note on like distinction, do you do anything different with vegetables? Fiber. Oh, yeah, that's a great, that's a great note. Actually, yeah, I do. Yeah, so I, I do pull down food volume slightly, especially if they've been having a higher intake of vegetables. Um, some of my clients with metabolisms that I'm jealous of don't use hardly anywhere near as many as I do. Um, but let's say we've been having you know 200 grams of vegetables per meal um, in vegetable and protein based meals, we maybe pull that down to 100 grams or 50 grams, something like that. And then on show day, typically I do run pretty much zero veg. Um, but on the days leading in, I do keep veg in purely for fiber-based purposes, motility, et cetera. Um, but on show day itself, I, I tend to sort of pull that out. I may keep a little bit of fruit in some people's diets, but, but veg is gone on show day. I, I have noticed like even within myself, like I'll have some like fibrous sources that I do like oats, I'll do some pumpkin and, and spinach and things. So when I do like, I will pull those like the day, but prior and there is a, uh, there could be a drop in just GI weight and my waist size will come down. And then if you're going off the scale, it can really mess with your head and throw you off because I'll, I'll start waking up lighter. Um, and, yeah. but it's, it's not lighter to where I'm flat. It's just lighter. Cause Hey, you lost some GI weight, but the, the still the, the overall look is there. So like, Maybe my 206 to 204 drop, it was like, I don't know, veg poop weight. <laughs> but um, but I, I, that should be my new like kind of standardized of what I'm going with from, from that aspect. So uh, mm-hmm. it's just some, something to gauge. But I, yeah, I was interested in, in how you manipulate that. And then I also thought about this too, is that some of these uh, like dark leafy greens and say you're doing pumpkin like I am or um, are also really high in potassium. So you are like removing some potassium, manipulating some of those electrolytes as well. Um, but at least in my experience, it's not so much to where it actually impacts fluid balance. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I know just you already answered it. You're not going to be replacing potassium with the reduction in veggies or anything. I think we're no. probably getting enough from all other sources as well. Or do you use some type of like multi-mineral formula anyway? Uh, typically, no, unless a client's already using one and has been for a long, long time. Um, typically, I don't. Um, but yeah, I think they'd have to be having a, a significant amount of leafy veg for it to make enough of an impact to, to warrant us trying to catch up on, on potassium lost, I think. Yeah, I've, ne- I've never seen it. So Yeah, yeah. Um, and. And so I want to, I was circle back AJ just to, cause I, we talked about fats mm. and there was like a, a recent paper release. I don't know if you read it. It was um, with Dr. Guillermo and um, Alan Aragon, Brad Schoenfield. They put out a paper on um, peak week. I forget the actual title peak week for natural bodybuilding. Basically they kind of laid out where our existing research was and the kind of the a template of maybe a protocol that guys go through. It wasn't, what might actually be applied, but I think what it, well, most of the research in naturals that we have is kind of like a, maybe a retrospective or prospective look at what people are doing, not necessarily what you should be doing. Um, but they were recommending like doing a fat load in, in the beginning of the week. So driving up high fats, 
load intramuscular triglyceride stores, then proceed there with a carbohydrate load. And then maybe your last day is, is where you just kind of have maybe a little bit of both or you're, or, or you're just manipulating. Maybe they spill a little bit and they're having to tighten up from there. But what, what is your stand? Like, do you do fit any type of fat loading or, you know, do you have any thoughts within that? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a very interesting question. Um, and one that I'm glad you've asked because um, I'm certainly uh, a, a student to, to this whole fat loading thing. Uh, it's not something that I've, I've, I've ever tried. Um, it's something that maybe I, I would in the future, but it's not dragging me in the direction to try it based on a, on a research paper just yet. And I haven't seen enough from other people to make me think, wow, this is a new look that I've not seen before. Um, I mean, let's, let's lay this down on paper. What do we want on stage? We want the best balance of muscular fullness with condition. And I believe that's achievable with the standardization of your variables, finding a look that we like and keeping it. I, I believe that that's more than possible. So when you're throwing in a, a new method that you that say you haven't tried this at all during your entire diet and seven days out, you start a fat load and you, you know, go zero carb, your fats come up. You're already, you're already taking this proverbial dice and you're rolling it regardless of what the research says you are rolling a dice because you've not tried this before. So my preference is that I prefer not rolling the dice. I prefer doing something that I know is probably going to yield a result that I'm going to like on stage and that I'm going to be happy putting a client in that position. Um, would I ever try it? I'm, I'm this, I'm a guy that would never say no. So if, if I could be educated further on it, um, I'd obviously be interested to hear your opinion, John and, and Luke. Um, then I would, I would maybe, maybe give it a shot. But for right now, I, I feel like I've found an approach that, that does provide consistent uh, looks. And, uh, and that's what we need to do as coaches. So, um, I mean, this takes me back kind of to when I was, I, I actually did a whole like podcast when I was about 18, 19, maybe 12, 19, I think. I got Cliff Wilson on and I just basically just quizzed him on everything about his rapid backload. I just wanted to know everything, you know? So, um, and then I did try it. You know, I tried it with multiple clients and I always ended up with a very stressed and very overfed client coming into a show <laughs> and clients that were literally like, you know, dead on Wednesday, dead, literally yeah. just feeling horrendous. And some people even told me that they didn't want to compete because <laughs> they were so ruined. And then clients that were falling asleep after every meal in the load. And it was just so hectic that I decided to, to pull out of idea. Um, and to give you a little bit of further background on where I'm at now, um, Dr. Joe, who I won't actually attempt his surname, but maybe you could pronounce it better than me, um, is, is how I found pretty much all of my stuff through 3DMJ and through Dr. Joe. Um, and, uh, and like, I think that that method of basically linear progressive loading yeah. has always been my go-to and I just feel safe, secure and, and confident in its approach. I, uh, I, I heavily agree. <laughs> I, oh, good. Um, <laughs> I think the question, the, the question to ask is what are you chasing, right? Like you're chasing right. what percentage change with a fat load. Yeah. Like that's what I think too. Intramuscular triglyceride stores. Like, come on now, really? Like we're chasing a. Yeah. I think we know, like if we did a refi day, like it's, primarily carbohydrate based and 
that is the most substantial thing that we can do out of any variable to change your look. You know, it's not, you know, in a diet, it's like, okay, we're going to load water today to get you full. It's like, no, we're not loading fats to get you full. It's like, we're always increasing carbohydrate. And that is the biggest variable that you can master to change your look. Um, and so I think if we're manipulating anything, everything else is consistent and we understand carbohydrate really well and what that does for Zeke, that's how you're going to nail your best look. Um, I think with, so that's the, that's the big thing was glycogen levels, but, but Luke, what, what your point is, is how much intramuscular triglyceride storage do we have and how, how large of an impact will it be? And so I guess going into a peak week, if you did have someone that was primarily maybe doing a ketogenic diet and they've lost, not, not lost, but have some decreased ability for carbohydrate utilization, potentially they just wouldn't be able to load enough. Um, they also might have an increase in the ability to store intramuscular triglyceride. So that would be a thing. Of course, I just don't have people that I prep that way. And I think if you've gotten to a point where you're keto only fats and you're having to do that much, that much cardio and you can't even load carbohydrate, had eating carbohydrate over your whole prep. I feel like we're doing something wrong way weeks back, but Anyway, that point of like going back to what volume increase in the muscle are we going to see from raising intramuscular triglycerides? I think it's, it's going to be very, very small. And it's also not to, without saying that we're not devoid of fats either. As we're entering into a peak week, there is some fats there. We're also not like overly depleted or forcing depletion during that week to where we're trying to bring up a level even higher than what it needs to, to be. Um, so I think that's like an, another like caveat to this whole conversation too. And uh, so I, I don't see a huge benefit to doing an early fat load. I see it as more variable manipulation and in having a harder time seeing the lookout to nail it. And mm -hmm. I think just, and, and like you said too, dropping someone to like from no, uh, to no carb and, and just fats, like, and still having to train when already in a pretty fatigued state, it, it could create more issues. Um, I think just keeping it more consistent and linear loading carbohydrate over the week is still my preferred method. And with like the back loads and the front loads, the look goes all over the place and it just makes it hard to, to be consistent to nail on, on show day. So um, I, I agree. And that's, that's kind of my thoughts on fat loading. I, I see application for increasing fats. Like you said, AJ was basically if you gotten some point where, to a person where they they, they look loaded you know, in full, and you don't need more carbohydrate addition, is that maybe you can bring down carbohydrate and add a little bit of fats in, which, which kind of prolongs that meal sitting with them longer, or even show night. If you had someone, then I've done this, is like I have someone that I'm watching body weight, and maybe it's not rising as much on one day out, and then I'll start adding in fats uh, so it, it holds that look overnight more. So they won't have as much drop just because that food is taking longer to digest and they're not going through it as quickly. Um, or that might justify, Hey, they're like for my, for me, like I usually come up to like, I was coming up to like two twelve at night on my shows. And then one day out, I was like two Oh nine. I'm like, Holy shit. I'm like three pounds down. Like, and I'm, I'm still increasing food. So for my last meal, I added in some fats and then I woke up in the middle of the night and I had another carbohydrate meal with like some fats, added to it as well. And then I woke up in heavier than I had in my previous, which was the plan. 
So, you know, I think fats have a, a good application within, within that setting. And AJ, to your point of like the anxiety driven drop, that's typically how I combat that is what he just walked through right there. Yeah. A little bit extra fats the last few meals and even, even feeding them if, when they wake up to pee. Yeah. Like, yeah. Too. Like rice crisp retreat with some almond butter. Go back to bed. Yeah. I, I'm, I stole that one straight from your page, John. Just yeah, like yeah. first time competitor, you see them like fucking like anxious about everything. It's like, okay, you're gonna you're gonna have something you're gonna enjoy and it's gonna get some fats and carbohydrates in you when you wake up, and we're not going to drop seven pounds overnight. <laughs> yeah. Um one more final thing on the fat load. Don't you think that there's actually an element of digestive risk with typically yes. we all diet on very, very low fats? Don't you think that coming into seven days out, six, five days out, raising fats as much as potentially I've seen people do, that carries a little bit of a digestive risk um, in the sense that we haven't actually tried to put in that and digest that over the last 20-odd weeks? Uh, no, I think completely. I, I would yeah. agree. Then the like, next day you go back to low fats and high carbohydrate again, and then it's kind of like the – the same issues presented and like when I've had the most gastric distress is usually when my diet's vastly changing day to day or you know I'm going from like a very low fiber intake to like a really higher fiber intake or there's been lots of fats in place then it really kills my appetite the next day so loading I could be even harder carbohydrate wise um, but I don't see guys that are practicing because that's a hard one to practice I think before you enter even peak week because we practice reefy days and higher carbohydrate days but to practice like just a high fat day, uh, it's hard to justify doing it. Cause like in prep every day matters. So you also want to get a lot out of them. Like your reefy day is cool. I'll have an increase in performance as well. And it's practice for peak week, but with a high fat day, I don't see myself like getting this extra boost in performance. I feel like it's just a day taken away from me at prep. Um, and you'd have to do a whole week as well because yeah. you wouldn't, you wouldn't really like, you wouldn't really experience what the true effects of the three, I think I see, like, I haven't read the paper, but I think you know, I've seen people do the typical like three, three yeah. days or two or three days of fats. And then, then we go to the carbs. So you'd have to run like a whole paradigm of what the response of that is. And that's, that's taken away time. And I will say just anecdotally, like the guys I've seen that have done it um, from their starting point to the end point, it's not vastly changed. No, you know? no. It's not and, like, wow, that worked. You know, It's not. Like, don't get me wrong. Like people that I've seen do it, they they've can have nailed that approach. But yeah. I, I think it's a lot of manipulation maybe for a similar outcome that would have been there if you just did like a maybe a basic, just run every day the same. Um but there's a lot of risk for guys that aren't experienced in coaching that method to try to do it on their own and, and really botch it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not, definitely not sold on it. And I've found something that I, I like and is low stress from a coaching aspect. Cause I feel like I have more control over finding this look and I can just repeat it on show day versus it's like this, you wake up, and you're like sleeping in bed, right? You wake up to look at your phone. You're like, man, I hope they look right. And then it's like, oh shit, they don't. What do I do? <laughs> um, and you don't have that when you have this other approach. Cause it's like every day, you know, like, man, they're waking up nailed. They're waking up nailed. And it's like you said, AJ, it's, you have to really do something crazy the night of the show for them to throw that off. Like maybe they did stay up all night and ate a 
fucking big ass cookie or peanut butter jar. Or I don't know. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So, you know, you did something wrong. Um, but I, I, I agree. Like uh, coming through the show day, like we shouldn't have that vast change from the nighttime. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you nailed it every single day. But I, I think in this industry, we'll always see something that looks exciting and sells and we'll always see trends like that. So next it'll be a protein load or maybe even a vegetable load next. And so coaches will, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sell that ebook. Shit yeah. <laughs> you'll get, you'll get plenty of people coming away for that. But yeah, it's, I think, you know, it's, it's great because we're always trying to look for a better way to do things. But I think often there is probably a way where we can settle and we can be like, okay, this actually works and it's, and it's pretty stress-free. And I think, I think we do agree on that principle. No, I think, I think we can tie it up on that. And that's like a, a great last thing said. And I think it, it goes well along with your whole mantra that you have continually preached on Instagram and uh, in the show links, I'll put all your info so people can get in touch. I'll let you plug it as well to make sure they know. Cause I, I want, I want people to follow you and read your information. But throughout all this, it's always been this consistent meticulous approach that keeps you progressing along. And I think that's lacking so much in a lot of what we do is just basic principles and doing them consistently over a long period of time. And that's why a lot of people just aren't seeing the progress and we're, we're chasing minute things that look really sexy and sell, but aren't, aren't the big variables that really get you to, to make changes. And AJ, what you put out, are the big variables that make you change. And it's just so evident in your physique and also the clients that you coach. So um, please let people know where we can follow you at and and plug anything that you would like to. Really appreciate that, John. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, so primarily most of my content's on Instagram. And my Instagram is just AJ Morris underscore. And then I have a YouTube channel and you can just find that under AJ Morris as well, where I document my prep. And I've got my past preps on there and you can go all the way back to when I was a teenage bodybuilder, if you really want to, and you can see me with my, my whiteboard and my iPhone five making videos. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I just love producing content I always have. And, um, I really appreciate you guys having me on the podcast and, and being able to speak today and, uh, looking forward to, to the future following you guys and your content as well. Well, thanks AJ and best of luck in your next next show in eight weeks we'll be following along and, and rooting for you and um it's it's a rare it's a rare thing to have someone that's you know very talented on stage and within their physique but also um is an educator as well and that's how i viewed you and, and you have a very great knack at that at disseminating information that many make too complex and hard to understand and delivering in a way that's very understandable for people so it's definitely you know the the education route like we love bodybuilding and pursuing that but also for for like teaching um i I think you're you're very well spoken articulate well and a great teacher so but anyway (laughs) anyway, follow aj because i i think uh i think he's great content but um Anyway, that's it, guys, for this week. Um, Thanks for tuning in. If you're watching YouTube, like, subscribe, leave any comments below or questions. I'll be happy to answer those for you. Until next time, we'll talk to you then.